the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. All right, and a pleasant good afternoon to you. Welcome. Good to have you on board here. We are broadcasting live from the 56th Annual Bass Church Workers Convention, hosted once again this year at Redwood Chapel in Castro Valley. Of course, day number two of this three-day conference began yesterday evening with a general session and then workshops throughout today and into tonight's general session at 7 o'clock and then a full schedule tomorrow. If your church is looking for really a sense of direction and support and help and guidance and a way to come together, to have that iron sharpening iron experience, so to speak, when it comes to local ministry in your church, then the Bass Church Workers Convention is certainly the place to be. This is really designed by and for people involved in both professional and lay ministry at the local church level. And so maybe you're looking for some new innovative ideas to improve the effectiveness of your church ministry. It can run the range from, from Sunday school ministry to youth outreach. It can be dealing with the changing face of the demographics in your neighborhood and how do you better reach them for Christ. There's something for everybody here at the Bass Convention. In addition to the notion of being able to hone your skills and improve what you do and your effectiveness for the sake of the kingdom, there's also certainly an opportunity to learn more about opportunities to expand your local church ministry. We'll get a chance to talk to a number of workshop leaders and certainly to some of the keynoters throughout our broadcast tonight, live on location again from the Bass Convention here at Redwood Chapel in Castro Valley. And as we kick off the program tonight... Uh, It was interesting. I was reading a story here a couple of days ago talking about what happens as we delay exposing young people to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, And there is a sad erosion of confidence. We know certainly at older ages, more and more millennials are leaving the church. That sense of cohesion for what had been historically kind of the faith of our fathers, in other words, we were raised in the church and we followed in the footsteps of our of our parents' belief and faith walk and we stayed faithful to the church, we're seeing less and less of that happening. And a lot of it has to do with young people not getting exposed to the gospel early enough or if they're exposed to the gospel, not getting grounded in good discipleship so that they learn of Christ and stay with Christ. How important is it? Well, joining me now is Samuel Porcha. Samuel is with Awana Ministries. He's been involved with the organization for about three years now. And Samuel, good to have you with us. Oh, it's good to be here. Young people. I mean, it's it's a it's a field ripe for harvest, to be yes. sure. And yet, I think the church sometimes feels challenged because today's generation is not like it was when we grew up as kids. Mm-hmm. Certainly, our, our parents had different challenges than we face, and, and our children, when they become parents, will face newer challenges in relationship to the changing face of the impact of the Internet and social media and, and all of those dynamics and being exposed to 
other worldviews other than the Christian worldview. Mm-hmm. And so with that notion in mind, talk to us about the potential impact that Awana can play in local church ministry and really coming alongside churches that don't have a local youth outreach to show mm-hmm. them how to do it, how to be effective at it. Yeah, well, Awana is um, a great place to start because um, Awana starts from ages 2 years old all the way through 18. It's never too young to start discipling your children. Um, so that notion of um, where we can wait till they get older, sometimes we give the enemy more ground than we should as far as taking the hearts of our children. And um, we want to make sure that we start that relationship as early as possible. And Awana gives you that space and that platform. But it's all about equipping um, leaders at Awana to build that discipleship relationship at their church in order to um, expand the kingdom of God. Um, we need to make more disciples, and so we're really excited about that part that we play in the kingdom as far as being able to partner with churches and help equip their leaders to be able to disciple children for the next generation. Now, Awana, as you and I were discussing off mm-hmm. the air, has been a national ministry that has been around well over 60 years now. And while you've got all of those years of experience, the ministry continues to be very forward-thinking, forward-looking in terms of how will the next generation of youth ministry be done? Yeah, we are forward-thinking in that manner because we understand that um, the world is just changing. It's changing all the time. It's always changing around us. And we also understand that um, the one thing that is going on is the pain and the hole in everyone's heart. And we want to be able to fill that space with the gospel. And that's what we need to be able to do. So um, there are a lot of things that we're implementing to be forward thinking, to think outside the box, to be more flexible. Um, churches years ago, with some many churches had a traditional style. Awana is flexible where you have 10 children, you can use the Awana program. You have 100 kids, you can use the Awana program. Um, no church or no size is the same, but the gospel is for everyone. What's helpful about this is in terms of study lessons and, and, and the programmatic uh, side of Awana mm-hmm. is that for a church that, that recognizes they want to be able to provide a solid youth program and yet they're not quite sure how to do it, they're kind of making it up as they're going along, mm-hmm. Awana can really be beneficial to help them increase the effectiveness of a local church's youth ministry, can't it? Oh, yeah, it can be very effective. It can bring a lot of structure um, and a lot of discipline. And we have a field staff throughout the U.S., for all local churches that can come walk alongside you and implement that. And um, it looks different in every church, and that's what we want to be as far as partnering with those churches and being able to help them see and encourage them that there is hope in the gospel and that they can implement it in many different ways. And the curriculum is 32 weeks. Um, it can be implemented in so many ways. Some churches use it as far as from the fall to the summertime as far as um, the school year. Um, some use it from January to September. It's so many different times of the year that you can use the Awana program. Um, and it's about discipling children. And when you say it can be used in many different ways, does that mean that there's a degree of built-in flexibility, not just across the calendar, but in terms of being able to mold the program that meets the unique needs of a given church, whether it be small church, large church, urban church, suburban church, things of that sort? Yes, that is exactly correct. Um, It's segmented into three parts. So it's large group time, small group, and activity or game time. Um, I've dealt with some churches that they don't have a lot of kids, so they're like, we just want to disciple small group. They don't have enough kids to do large group time. 
So they do small group, and then they'll do game time. So it can be used in many different ways that way. Um, we have game books for every age category from ages 2 all the way through 18. Um, we also recommend you can do board games. You can do arts and crafts. And so there's so many different things to expose the children to the gospel, also to have fun as well, while they're learning about Jesus Christ and then falling in love with Christ. So this is almost a dual track in the sense that you focus on discipling of young believers, mm -hmm. but the same token, this can be an effective tool for reaching young people for Christ? Oh yeah, definitely an effective tool. We recommend sometimes, hey, bring a friend. Um, at my church, we always say, hey, we have, um, I think it's one Monday out of the month, we say, hey, this is bring a friend night, and we get them excited about bringing a friend, and um, we always have double the amount of children. So it's really fun, and they see their kids, and then some of those kids that they bring, maybe half of them stay. So now we have some new children that are being introduced to the gospel. Sometimes that will bring in a whole new family into the church. So um, it's really exciting, and um, they feel like they belong. It's about community. Um, it's about family. It's about highly relational and highly scriptural. And so um, it's the great connection. And Samuel, you were mentioning to me that your, your role with Awan is essentially helping churches that are looking to implement mm -hmm. A, a youth outreach and child's discipleship program uh, to really look into Awana, see how it fits. So you're working with churches of various shapes and sizes literally all over the country. Yes. Um, I get a chance and the privilege to talk to churches that are looking for something that's going to work for their children to introduce the gospel to them. And so that's the part that I play as far as in the acquisition um, team. Um, and so... I get a chance to talk to pastors. I get a chance to hear what their pain is and talk to um, children's pastors and children directors and find out what their need is. And so um, and encourage them, um, let them know that the program can will walk alongside them and partner with them in introducing the gospel at their church to their children. You mentioned to me you were recently down in Southern California at Fullerton at uh, Chuck Swindoll's old church, EV Free of Fullerton, mm -hmm. uh, where they held the Awana Grandparents Conference. Um, and, and that's exciting, as we were discussing off the air, because yes. to be able to harness all of that knowledge, all of that caring, all of that life experience of grandparents and show them how they can really be mentors mm -hmm. for young people, to me, is just over-the-top exciting. What was that conference like for you? Oh, that conference was incredible. Um, it was so... Um I was there working in a different capacity, but to be able to have all those conversations with those, those grandparents and um, to be able to see them just get excited that they have a voice and play a part in their grandchildren's experience in learning or knowing more about the gospel. Um, and the other thing that was exciting was to be able to find Awana clubs all over the country for those grandparents that didn't think an Awana club was near their grandchildren. That was a lot of fun. And to see Awana, again, this forward-thinking, mm -hmm. cross-generational, multi-generational, in terms of uh, being able to harness all of the resources that are available out there oh, yeah. to impact young people for Christ is an exciting thing. Folks want to get more information about maybe starting Awana in your own local church. You've got questions. You want to know how does it fit? Where does it fit? How do we do this? Uh, you're certainly welcome to reach out to Samuel. Uh, Samuel, folks, of course, can go to awana.org. That's A W. A-N-A dot O-R-G. And specifically for churches that are looking to talk at your level, mm -hmm. they want to see, okay, exactly how is this going to fit? What kind of programs are directly offered? What's the best way to reach you? Uh, Samuel P. at Awana.org or 855-462-9262. 
Samuel P. at Awana.org, or the number again? 855-462-9262. And again, more information available at Awana.org. Samuel Porsche, thank you so much for driving welcome, by. I appreciate your brother sharing. All right. God bless We're going to take a time out here at 517, get you updated on some traffic. We'll head over to the KFAX Traffic Center and the latest with Michael Bennett. Hey, Michael, what's going on out there? And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. And welcome back. We're live again on location here at Redwood Chapel in Castro Valley at 19300 Redwood Road. And we are, of course, here at the 56th Annual Bass Church Workers Convention, the conference taking place uh, throughout the remainder of today and all day tomorrow, Saturday. Certainly not too late for you to sign up for yourself or your church. There's a special discount if you want to bring your entire church it's only $250. Doesn't matter you bring 10 people, bring 100 people, bring 1,000 people. $250 one-time registration fee gets your entire church into this event. So it's a great deal. Check out more information at BassConvention.org. That's BassConvention.org. Talking a lot over the course of yesterday and today about more effective ministry. We just spoke a moment ago with um, Samuel Porsche from Awana about how to have cutting-edge youth ministry to make sure that we're effectively communicating the gospel to this current generation. And I think for some parents that get busy, they get distracted by paying the mortgage, paying the bills, taking care of the family and all of that, that it might seem easy to send the school, the kids off to school to get their education of the three R's, to send the kids to church to get their education on a spiritual level and sort of take that compartmentalized approach to a child rearing. But my next guest, I think, will suggest that isn't a very good idea. In fact, wait on just a minute that, yes, indeed, your church can and should play a very vital role. But at the end of the day, when it comes to discipling your children, mom and dad, that's your first priority. Dr. Rob Reno joins us. He's the author of Generations. Um, he has been involved with ministry to children for many, many years now through Visionary Family Ministries and joins us now to talk a bit about this idea of sort of uh, passing the kids on to the church and hoping for the best. And Dr. Reno, thank you so much for being with us today. I, I guess for some parents, they feel as if, well, nobody can do a better job at this than my pastor or our children's youth minister. So why not just sort of relegate uh, their spiritual upbringing to the church? Well, hey, thanks for having me on. I've been looking forward to talking with you. I appreciate it. I think that's a very common uh, mentality that, that people have. Like, we, we really live in this day and age of, of delegation parenting, and, you know, our job is to find the experts, you know, find the basketball coach and find the piano teacher and, and drop them off at Sunday school and youth group. And our job, just as mom and dad, is to, you know, drive the minivan and, and drop them off at all the folks that will teach them everything they need to know. Um, you know, piano teachers are great. Coaches are great. Youth groups, Sunday school leaders, fantastic. Uh, but the issue is that when it comes to faith training, when it comes to helping our kids follow Jesus, boy, you lock yourself in a room with the Bible and you say, okay, Lord, how do you want the next generation to hear about you and be shepherded in you? It is moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas in the home as the primary spiritual trainers. 
So perhaps we've kind of had it on its head here. We've looked to the experts, as you suggest, Dr. Reno, to kind of help us in that arena. Maybe we feel as if there are shortcomings of either our understanding of Scripture or our time, and so we feel as if in these other settings our children can thrive better. But really uniquely in Scripture, uh, there, there's, there's, there's no formula that suggests that you can sort of uh, delegate that responsibility to anybody else. I mean, at the end of the day, God holds parents directly responsible for the the shepherding and discipling of their children, doesn't he? Yeah, and you know, honestly, this conversation is really personal for me. Um, my wife Amy and I we're, we're coming up on 25 years of marriage. We've got seven children. But 10 years into our marriage, um, I, was, I had a major crisis in my life. Uh, I was a youth pastor for those first 10 years. We had four children, uh, and as a youth pastor, you know, the number one passion of my life was passing my faith to other people's children, right? I'm the youth pastor at church, so I'm going to pray with other people's kids, read the Bible with other people's kids, take them on retreats and mission trips. And man, I, we, we loved that season of ministry. But the problem was I'm praying with other people's kids. I'm not praying with mine. I'm reading the Bible with other people's kids. I'm not reading the Bible with mine. I, I had a, a passion and a fire in my belly for my ministry at church, and I was, I was passive and neglecting the spiritual ministry in my house. And, and the Lord had to really had to bring me to a place of repentance and, and brokenness. And as it says in Malachi 4 and Luke 1, turn my heart to my most important ministry, which was the souls of the kids he had entrusted to my care. Toward that end, then, Dr. Reno, help us understand how can parents best mentor or disciple their own children? Well, it, it starts with this heart change. You know, through visionary parenting, we don't do a lot of, like, 10 tips for teens and 3 tips for toddlers. And, well, you just have to be more creative with your consequences and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and that's all fine. But, but at the end of the day, you know, parents, grandparents listening, is it the number one mission of your life to help your children follow Jesus and help them safely home to their Father in Heaven? You know, I... We get so, and I still fall into it, so focused on their sports, so focused on their schoolwork, so focused on their friends, all this college prep, all this kind of stuff. Is it really, do we really believe, remember what Jesus says, he says, uh, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. All those other things are going to be added to you as well. As a mom or a dad, do you really believe what Jesus said, that if your son or daughter will love God and follow him, that literally, truthfully, God will take care of the rest of the stuff. So we've kind of had the the focus uh, sort of backwards here then. We've tended to think about... And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, welcome back to the broadcast. We apologize a little bit of a technical glitch there. Uh, we've had we've had some telephone line issues here, uh, but I think we've got everything straightened out now. We've uh, fed the mouse; he's running on the wheel again, and I think Mike dropped another twenty five cents into the slot, so we should be in good shape here. Broadcasting live again from the fifty sixth annual Bass Church Workers Convention taking place here at Redwood Chapel in Castro Valley. Of course, the conference will be going on for the balance of this evening. The keynote speaker tonight at at 7 o'clock, as you heard with Pastor Jeff Miller just a moment ago. And then, of course, workshops taking place all day tomorrow. 
One of the big challenges that we're facing today with the church as we we sort of grow and move into the new millennium and we deal with millennials and we deal with many of the new challenges that are facing the church and the changing face of, of technology and society and all of that, and that is how does the church do a more effective job in dealing with many of these 21st century issues? Uh, sometimes we rely on our experience from years ago and think, well, that's the way it worked for grandma and grandpa. That's the way it'll work for us. So we'll present the same ideas to young people today, finding out that they've got a whole different perspective on how they relate to life. Joining me now is the president and founder of Worker Ministries. He's the author of the best-selling book, A Worker Need Not Be Ashamed. We'll talk more about that in a moment. Meanwhile, Jim Hugset, good to have you with us. It is wonderful to be here, and thank you for the invitation. Jim, let's talk about this challenge that the church faces. I mean, we constantly want to be forward-thinking in terms of taking a timeless message, but to a generation that changes the way they think, the way they see things, even the way they relate to each other. Back in the old days, we used to have conversations face-to-face, or if we wanted to communicate over long distance, we wrote a letter. Mm -hmm. Now nobody talks face-to-face. You'll see two couples sitting across from each other at the dinner table in the (laughs) restaurant, and they're texting each other on the cell phone. I'm amazed. uh, I eat out all meals. I'm a bachelor, so I found out it's cheaper to do it that way, and I love eating out. But it amazes me. It also hurts me when I see couples that will come into a restaurant sitting there, and they never speak to each other, and, and and the same way with their children that are with them. They never, you know. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be anti-social media, uh, but I got a problem with that. I talked to a, a Christian brother in Christ on the airplane yesterday on the way in here, and uh, it uh, it's like everything else. Uh, you know, we we invent something that's marvelous, and then man messes it up. It was interesting, Jim. Is that it's a breakdown in the way we do relationships. Yes. And I think it's important for the church to take note of that because at the end of the day, this is all about beginning, middle, and end relationships. Right. Most predominantly, our relationship with God. Yeah. Amen. And so if we're struggling learning how to do relationships with each other, my mm-hmm. goodness, what does it say about our ability or inability to really engage in relationship with the God of the universe? That's exactly right. You're, you're talking about every time I look at, uh, at that cross, I'm thinking about the, you know, the vertical versus the horizontal relationship there. And uh, it's not only in, in, uh, uh, to God, but like you say, it's that relating with, with, with people. This morning, I conducted a workshop on how to deal with difficult people in the workplace and the church and the church. And it's, it, you know, it's quite a challenge or whatever. And uh, uh, we find that, uh, uh, that, that there, there are problems there that need to be resolved or whatever, and it can be done. Do we almost have to go back to school then, in a sense, in terms of learning how to do relationships? And I ask that question because, as you mentioned, so often, even amongst couples, mm-hmm. they're so tied into the digital age, they don't know how to sit down one-on-one, yeah. talk through differences of, of opinion, right. deal with challenges that exist, yeah. tear down barriers, and be able to engage in true fellowship. That's right, and communicate with each other. And, you know, the thing I'm thinking about is not only uh, uh, th- those living in the era today, but what about the future? What about the way we're raising up our children? I mean, when you bring 
bringing the children into that restaurant, and they're sitting there watching mom and pop with their thing. And, of course, they got their thing, too, see, the children. You, you, you raise them up to, to learn, and I think adults have to relearn this, that there's a happy medium this. In other words, there's a time and place for everything, as my Christian grandmother told me when she was raising me. And, and she would say today, if she's alive, Jim, it's time to take the iPod and put it on the shelf. I would and tell let's you, communicate. I was thinking, when I, when I was a kid growing up, uh, television. Oh, yeah. That, that was the big thing that entered the house, and yep. we would sit down as a family for dinner. 6.15, we were expected to be ready to sit down at 6 o'clock. Right. Dinner began at 6.15. We <laughs> said grace together. Yeah. And the one thing, that the last thing my father did before he sat down was the TV set went off. It went off. And I might protest, no, Dad, there's a ball game <laughs> on. No, not now. Yep. Your Giants have almost won. Please, sure. five more minutes. Nope. Yeah. 6.15, the TV set goes off. Yeah. Do we need to yeah. unplug like yeah. that with yeah. young people today, yeah. too? Yeah, we do. We do. And we need to start early on it because it's getting to be uh, – uh, and uh, as I was talking to the friend of mine on the plane yesterday, uh, this has become an addiction. And I'm going to be honest with you. I think it's in the same category as drug addiction. I mean, they're, 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 they're different to, to some degree, but, uh, but, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you my little secret here. Okay. I don't, I don't own an iPod. Now, again, I'm not anti-iPods. I'm not against folks that have that type. I'm calling it iPod. That's what you call it, but the, the technology, okay? But I'll be honest with you. I have a fear that I will become addicted to it myself. Now, I do carry a cell phone. I got one in my pocket. I just called my technical director to tell him to make a recording of KFAX while we're on today, okay? But I probably won't use that again until maybe day after tomorrow. I've got control. It comes back to self-control or whatever. And we need to, we need to grab hold of this. It's, and, it's hurting us. And it, it occurs to me, Jim, if we can't disconnect from the technology, how can we expect to connect with God? With Amen. a God who best communicates right. in the stillness, you know, right. that, that, that still, small voice right. of the Holy Spirit. Yep. And if we don't learn how to close out all that noise right. and all that distraction, and I yep. think in a way in which this can be used as much as a tool mm-hmm. for the good of the kingdom, right. it can also be used as a tool of the enemy. Yep. That's right. And I'll, I'll give you a quick example here of that, that's one of the clearest I've seen. It really bugs me. It makes me angry, in fact. Okay. How about the person that takes this into, into the house of the Lord? Okay. And, and there are those that will take it and they'll use it. You can bring, of course, the, the Old Testament, New oh, Testament. Sure. So I have no problems with that. But how about a cell phone that rings in the middle of a church <laughs> service? Give me a break. You just found my pet peeve. Yeah, give me a break. <laughs> Come but, on, preach okay. on. But, but for the, for the benefit of the pastors and the church leaders listening out there, I have a question there. How many of you have ever decided to place a sign, a placard, just outside of the doors that enter into the sanctuary and say to them, at least please cut off all cell phones, at least take it or some direction there. In other words, have a policy in the church that we're not going to have these things going off and distracting us from the word of God. It's really saying, I'm now going to interrupt what God is saying from that pulpit, and he's talking to us through his word, but I'm going to interrupt it with my cell phone that needs to stop that needs to stop you're going to be conducting a couple of workshops tomorrow yes. uh, continuing this theme of 21st century issues that are yes. challenging and facing the church yes uh, one of the topics you'll be discussing tomorrow afternoon teaching young people how oh, to find their calling one of my favorite spend a moment on that if you would because in the oh. old days we spent more time about the issue of vocation uh-huh and having a sense of calling. Where was the Lord leading you? How did you right. find that calling? How do you follow in that leading? Today it seems to be sort of willy-nilly. You talk to a lot of young people. Mm-hmm. 
And by young people, I mean kids that are in teenage years, yes. even ready for college, have no worldly idea no what idea. it is they want to That's do, right. where they want to be, yeah. how they want to raise a family, right. what kind of career they want. How do we help people yeah. understand what it means to to experience a vocation, a calling? Yeah, okay, all right. First of all, we've got to be very careful to separate the job from the calling. This is something we, a lot of adults don't understand. There is a difference, okay. And my life illustrates this, okay. Uh, I was called to teach. Now, by the way, that was after we had an earlier conversation about me working in the early years of broadcasting, okay, which I thought was my calling, but, but, but that didn't end up being that way, okay. But my point is that, that, that uh, a, 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 a calling is where God is placing on you, like he did me, to say, you're not going to go into broadcasting. You're going to work as a teacher. Now, he'll do that different ways. In this case, he put a college professor in my life that influenced me so much that it caused me to move over to teaching. Okay, now we got the calling taken care of. Okay, now the job. I worked as a corporate training director for a major corporation in North Carolina. That was the job. Well, guess what? I was fulfilling the calling also. But notice the sequence. The calling comes before the job. When I'm talking to a young person, I say to them, don't jump out here and just pick up a job just because you want to work a job. Because if you do, you will wake up Monday morning dreading to go to work. You know, the people who love to go to work on Monday morning, which is the acid test, are the ones who truly believe that God put me here to do this. And I have a passion for what I'm doing. And what you say That's is so difference. true because there are so many that have such a sense of of disappointment and disconnection yes. from what they do. And then you find out that they, they've been doing this for oh, yeah. 10, 15, sure. 20 years. Yeah. Not only do they hate what they do, they hate who they do it with. Yeah. They hate who they do it for. Exactly. They don't get along with the customers. They're generally miserable right. in life. Yeah. And then they come home and they take that misery back right. home to their right. families. Which is nothing in the world but creating, a, in effect, you're creating a hell on earth is what you're doing in that case when, when, when it could be joy in the morning. The Bible teaches you can have joy in the morning, but you also got to follow follow the right pathway. And, do it. and by the way, in my book that you referred to, I have an entire chapter devoted to how to find your calling. And there, there are different ways to do it. Mine came in one way. Uh, somebody else's comes another way. But the main thing you got to have is the mindset there. First of all, you got to understand the difference between the calling of the job and your mindset as a young person has got to focus on the calling. What did God put me here to do? You know, and and, and and sometimes, by the way, sometimes he just puts it in your lap. I know of a young lady uh, today who's a worldwide opera singer, and she told her father when she was in the fifth grade, I want to be an opera singer. See, right there, God had already put that in. And she uh, exercised her abilities in the church and singing in the choir and all of these things. And then all of a sudden, she goes to the Juilliard School there in New York, and now she's a worldwide opera singer. And by the way, the salary would be in six figures. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He will give you and fulfill the desires of your heart, but he wants your heart set upon him. Oh, boy. Amen. You said it, sir. Yeah, yeah. You've Absolutely. got a couple of great seminars coming up tomorrow. I want to remind listeners to check out for yep. Jim's a seminar on 21st century issues. Yes. First one's called Help, I'm Out of Control. Oh, boy, boy, that's, that's, I'm that's looking really forward hot. to that one. <laughs> That'll be tomorrow at noon. Yeah. And then uh, later on in the afternoon, youth teaching young people how to find their calling, just as we have Amen. been discussing. Jim, thanks so much yes, for the sir. time. God bless you. I'd like I to appreciate get you back you on the radio, spend some more time when we're not in a rush. We'll, we'll, we'll do it. Get back to home base, give me a call, we get on the radio. I love it. We'll do it. Jim again, Hogs. <laughs> with 
uh, Worker Ministries information available on the web at WorkerMinistries.com. That's WorkerMinistries.com. All right, let's take a time out here at 547, get you updated on some traffic. Head back over to the KFAX Traffic Center. We say good afternoon once again to Michael Bennett. Hey, Michael. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. And welcome back to the broadcast. We're here live on location, day number two of the three-day annual Bass Church Workers Conference taking place here at Redwood Chapel in Castro Valley. They're very gracious in hosting this annual event. Folks come from all over the Bay Area. More than 200-plus churches around the Bay Region that are registered for this year's Bass Convention. Lots of great keynote speakers, workshops, and the like. And you'll find complete details available on the web at bassconvention.org. So we invite you to check it out and then come on down and check out the convention. You know, it's interesting. I was thinking the other day, there's a lot of things that you can borrow money for. You can borrow money to buy a car. They'll loan you money to buy a house. They'll loan you money to put your child through education. They'll loan you money to go out and buy a brand new workout machine that'll sit inside of the garage for six years and never get used. The one thing, though, that they're hesitant to loan you money on, and I don't think anybody's come up with this idea yet, is to loan you money to retire. And when you think about that, now all of a sudden it changes your set of priorities. It means that retirement suddenly takes on a greater degree of gravitas than perhaps most of us think. Now, for a large percentage of the population, you have benefits of things like a company retirement plan, a 401k, Social Security, things of that sort. But what about an individual who's dedicated their life to full-time ministry? Maybe it's worked for a smaller-sized church, sacrificed a lot for the Lord, and over the course of many, many years, perhaps decades of commitment of local ministry has not benefited from any sort of a retirement plan in that church. When it comes time for pastor to retire, what does he retire to? Does he have the resources available? How does a church set up an effective retirement plan to make sure that your pastor, who has guided you and shepherded you from all those years, through all of those years, will then be cared for when he needs it the most? Joining me now with MMBB is Reverend Augie Bao. And Augie, this is your arena of expertise. This is your sweet spot. You've got a background in ministry. You've got a background in finance. You're a certified financial planner. You've got a master's degree in business from this uh, little school over here in Berkeley. Go Bears. Go Bears. (laughs) You had to get that in. (laughs) And your arena of expertise is really a sense of passion in helping pastors and churches understand not only the importance of retirement planning for pastors, but most importantly, how to make all that happen. Yes, I've been doing this for almost three decades, 29 years to be exact. And I feel God has blessed me with my ministry, with the MBA from Berkeley and seminary degree to have the two educational backgrounds and life experiences to to help pastors. So I bring the financial expertise with my training and education, but the heart for ministry to help pastors really understand what they need for retirement and to plan ahead. I said jokingly earlier, you can borrow money to buy just about anything, but you can't buy a retirement by borrowing money. 
So it really takes good financial stewardship. But a lot of churches say, well, wait a minute now. We're, we're a small congregation. We can't possibly afford. Pastor's just going to kind of have to figure it out on his own, or God bless him, we don't think he'll ever retire. He'll work till he's 90 and drop dead. It's really unfortunate that even small congregations feel like there's nothing they can do. And our retirement plan, what I call a starter plan, is only $50 a month. Wow. And I've actually told some churches, you don't need to have six board of trustees meetings to talk about $50 a month. Just find two trustees who will give $25 a month over and above their tithe. Don't reduce your tithe, but do it over and above your tithe, and you're all set. Your pastor can start with the basic MMBB retirement plan. There are things that are, things that are very special about MMBB, and I want you to take a moment to, to educate our listeners, because here's an organization that has been around for more than 100 years that is singularly and uniquely dedicated to providing retirement plans for pastors, and for all of the insight and expertise and advice that you offer, uh, you don't charge any fees. We were blessed. Rockefeller gave us $7 million in the 1920s. So since that time, we have operated with no commissions. If a church sends $500 for the pastor's retirement, the entire $500 goes into the pastor's retirement. And it's not just for pastors. We cover all Christian staff members. So secretaries, custodians. I've worked with some preschools, Christian schools. All these organizations, as long as it's a church or nonprofit Christian organization, their staff are eligible to participate in their plans. And the endowment allows you to provide all of this advice, the counseling, the management, um, absolutely no cost whatsoever to the church or to the pastor. It sounds amazing, sounds too good to be true, but I always explain we have this endowment. It's $150 million. That covers my salary, our overhead. So as a result, we're able to help pastors and churches for free. One of our services is free and comprehensive financial planning for all of our members. And we look at their entire financial picture, advice, kind of look ahead and see what's going to happen in terms of retirement. If they're behind, which most pastors are, we give some suggestions of what they should start doing in terms of catching up. And that's critically important because as more and more people reach retirement and they look at that number coming back at them from Social Security as an example, they might look at that and say, how can I possibly do this? Or if you've been working in ministry your entire life, maybe you've enjoyed the benefit of a parsonage that's owned by the church. Mm -hmm. So housing has never been a concern. Now suddenly you reach the point where maybe for health conditions, you can no longer continue pastoring full time. The church brings in a new lead pastor. Now, all of a sudden, you have no financial benefit of the asset of a house being there because it belongs to the church. And if you haven't taken time to set money aside throughout your working years, you're going to be facing a world of financial hurt. Exactly. And for a lot of people, they're discouraged. They have what I call the ostrich approach, kind of put your head in the sand, ignore it, hope it goes away, hope it gets fixed miraculously. And we do believe in the God of miracles, but God gives us brains and planning to plan ahead and what we want to do is work with the pastor even if they're behind to say at least start with something and i'm glad you mentioned the health issues because one of our packages includes not just retirement but life insurance and disability insurance and those are often gaps that pastors can't afford to to buy and if something happens to the pastor she or he gets sick or the person passes away often the family 
um, the church is left in the lurch. And we have what we call the comprehensive plan, which covers all three, retirement, life insurance, and disability. I would suspect, too, Augie, in your experience, that you've been dealing with pastors, you know, as you point out, almost 30 years now, that there's a degree of that ostrich mentality because they feel so overwhelmed by this. Or they say, you know, you're, you're talking about things that, that are worldly. I don't know from Wall Street and investing and 401ks and all of this. I don't understand any of that. I've dedicated my life to preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, leading the church. We're involved maybe at certain administrative levels, but the experience that I would need to understand what kind of insurance do I need, how much do I need, where should I invest my money, that's just beyond the realm of my comprehension. And that's really where MMDB shines. Exactly. And many pastors come to me and say, Reverend Augie, I'm kind of embarrassed. I don't know the right questions, quote-unquote. And my response is there are no right questions. Just ask whatever's on your heart. Let me try to explain certain things. Keep asking more questions until you fully understand. And most of the pastors that we work with are people who don't know all the financial and technical terms. So we really try to keep everything really simple, really basic, really understandable. And do you have a sense that the church really ought to have a responsibility to care for its pastor in this arena? Definitely. And we feel it's a partnership between the church, the pastor, and MMBB to figure out what's available, what's affordable, and to get started on something that will help the pastor down the road in in retirement. And the nice thing, as you share, is for those that don't even know where to start, they know they need to be asking questions. They don't know what questions to ask. You can guide them through all of that. And a consultation, either one-on-one with a pastor or maybe sitting with the board who says, gee, we've got a problem here across our church. We've got a youth minister. We've got senior pastor. We have, you know, others on staff, none of whom have anything set aside for retirement. So we need to kind of look at a big comprehensive package. How are we going to do this? What's affordable? You can sit down and consult them, be it a large church, medium church, or a small church. Exactly. And... We recognize that there are a lot of financial experts out there. There are certainly other people who are qualified, but we feel we're unique on three points. One is we're a Christian nonprofit organization doing it for over a hundred years. Two, we don't charge any commissions. We're not making any money off of our services to the church. And three is that pastors get payouts in retirement as housing allowance. So the distributions in retirement come to them as tax-free housing, which is a huge and significant tax advantage for pastors. You were with us last night and mentioned that. And one of these days, we're going to have to get you back on the program to really talk about that in depth. Because many pastors might be familiar with, at least around the periphery, with required minimum distributions that that kick in for an IRA or a 401k at the age of 70 and a half. I mean, the IRS has basically said, we've allowed you to accumulate this money and grow this money tax-free. Now, when you take it out, we want our share. But MMBB has a IRS-recognized methodology to be able to withdraw that money with no tax uh, exposure whatsoever. Correct. We have an IRS ruling from 1980 which allows us to declare distributions in retirement as tax-free housing allowance for pastors. All right. So, pastors, you need to really get on top of this. And church leaders, 
if you know pastor doesn't have a plan in place, would you call Augie, set up an appointment, no cost, no obligation, and no cost for the services at any time. Give him a call at area code 917-209-9911. That's 917-209-9911. Or you can find him on the web, mmbb.org. Or you can simply send an email, Augie, A-U-G-I-E, bow, Augie.bau at mmbb.org, or if they just go to the website, mmbb, they can do a search they, for you. They could find me, right. You work anywhere in Northern California, the Bay Area, you'll travel to them. The Bay Area, California, actually 10 of the Western states, and I've even gone to some other states if there are pastors that are interested in our services. All right, good stuff. Augie, <clears throat> pardon me, we sure appreciate you dropping by and sharing uh, the possibility of how you can help folks really see a financial future upon retirement from full-time ministry. Reverend Augie Bao with MMBB again at area code 917-209-9911 or on the web at mmbb.org. 602, let's get a look at traffic right now and an update for you. Here's the latest with Michael Bennett. Michael. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.